Phil Gardner a big hand as he comes tonight. Come on, give him a better hand than that. I'm glad you came out tonight. Let me get set up here. All right, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for this evening and, and all the great things that have come from it already. I pray blessings into everyone here. I pray miracles. I pray all negative circumstances will be removed. And I ask you to help us all yield to your spirit. In your name, amen. So tonight we're, we're going to turn to Nehemiah in the Old Testament. So this has come about from the Bible studies in the back on Tuesday morning. And for on and off, for, for most of the summer, we've been talking about progressive holiness and on how to do that. And it's you're actively, you're seeking, you're pursuing. So this is where this has come from. Um, just so you know where my heart's been at with this. And then recently, I think we're going to switch over to a, a faith challenge on a Tuesday morning. So if you're available Tuesday morning, we get started around 7.30. We'd love to have you out there. But tonight, so my focus is going to be on keeping the change and protect your progress. i got a pocket full of change here, and my pockets are pretty deep, but... So keep the change, protect your progress. And we'll unpack that tonight. But Nehemiah will start chapter 1. We'll actually start with verse 1 tonight. So the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the providence are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem was broken down, and the gates have been burned with fire. When I heard of these things, I sat down and wept for some days. I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed before the God of heaven. So that's, the, that's where they're at right now. Um, things are in a kind of a disarray. And I've been thinking, you know, they're in a desperate situation. And how many of us have ever been in a desperate situation? We've all been kind of there, I think, at one point or another. Um, and we'll talk about when they protected the progress and when they did not protect it. But... What's going on back here is the kingdoms were, um, the northern kingdom was under attack. The southern kingdom is under attack. The, the city of Jerusalem has been under attack. And, you know, and the Babylonians came in and they took almost everybody away. They, they just swept them away. They walked hundreds and hundreds of miles over to Babylon. So that's where this is at. Jerusalem is a ghost town. And it's been a ghost town for about 70 years. And, you know, I get to thinking, they're, so they're 70 years away from Jerusalem. They've been living in Babylon, Babylon for all this time. In 70 years, you kind of put your roots down. You kind of get settled. You kind of get established where you're at. And we'll see it in the life of Nehemiah, although he was established in Babylon, his heart 
was with the people, the Jewish nation. That's where his heart was really at. So they've settled in there. You know, maybe they're trying to follow the God of their fathers. But it's so difficult because they're hundreds of miles away from home. And now they're getting a chance to come back to the promised land. That's the history of where this is coming from. And so Nehemiah, he's a cupbearer. So he has an elevated rank. He's with the king. He, he can talk with the king. He has a relationship with the king at any time he, you know, he wants to, I suppose. But as a cupbearer, what his role was, was to protect the king. And so before the king got any food, you know, he would take a, you know, a sip of the water or you know, take a bite of the food. His job was as a cupbearer, if anyone was going to try to poison the king, he would get poisoned instead of the king. So his job was, that was where he was all the time. And so he's like a, like a bomb-sniffing dog. You know, that, that was the spot, that was his role. He's like Pastor Ryan and Pastor Aaron is to Pastor Marty. You know, <laughs> they're, they're, trying, they're there to protect him and watch out for him, and they're stepping in that role. But also it's what husbands are to be their, with their families. Also what wives are too. We're called to protect things. We don't want things to enter in. But this access gave him a role. As this access he had gave him access to, to be the king. In verse 3, it talks about, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the providence are in great trouble and in great disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. And this is where we need to protect your spiritual improvements. If you don't protect them, if your walls are broken down, then Satan, then the world has a way to get into you. But you want to protect those things. You go to Sunday church. You're at church on Thursday. You have the, the small groups. You pray. Um, you're, you're reading at home all the time. You want to protect that growth. And if you don't, then your walls are down, and then you get easily influenced. Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight says, Like a city whose walls are broken down, there is a person who lacks self-control. And a person without self-control says what they want, they think what they want, they do what they want, they just whatever. There's no filter. They have no self-control. And if you don't have self-control and you're out spreading negative things, saying negative things, doing whatever you want, Satan says, ah, thanks for doing my job. You're doing it for me. I, you're good. I don't need to even help you. You're just out doing those things. So we want to protect our growth. We don't want to go back to how we may have once been at one point in our life. Verse 4 says, when he heard these things, I sat down and I wept for some days, and I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. And so any great work of God begins with God doing a great work in somebody. At Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were going to prayer. Nehemiah is hunkered down for prayer. But on the way to prayer, they healed one person. But that led to 5,000 people being saved. But that happened because they were going into prayer. They had an attitude of prayer. 
that were settled into that. But so before God does a great work, he will do a great work in you before he sends you out to do something into the world, to your neighborhood, to your family. But it begins with them settling into an, an attitude of prayer. So the walls are broken down. Things are a mess. Nehemiah is hundreds of miles away. God says, that's the spot I want you to be in. And you're thinking, well, what does that mean? Right? He's, he's hundreds of miles away. But we're supposed to walk into destiny God has created you for. His heart is to come back. He has a dream to come back. He wants to come back. Let me explain it this way. You got that picture for me? So this picture comes from World War II, and <clears throat> these were our planes coming back, and so they did a study, and the, all those dots are bullet holes. So the, the people came back, and they decided, we've got to figure out what's going on with our planes and um, what's happening. And so they, they took the evidence to showing that they, the planes got shot up in the wings and in the tail, and these are the planes that came back. Well... It kind of makes sense. You're in battle. You're going to get shot up. So they decided, well, let's fortify those areas that are getting shot up. That makes sense. And somebody said, well, wait a second. The planes that aren't coming back are the ones that are getting shot up in the engine and in the cockpit. We need to fortify those areas. See, the evidence points one way. The word points to another way. So don't believe what the world says about you. If God has you a dream in your heart, walk out that dream that he puts in your heart. doesn't matter what the world says about you. The worldly evidence may say, you've never been to college. You've never finished college. You're not a best speaker. You've made mistakes. And as Jimmy says, you've been to camp once or twice. That's what the world says about you. That doesn't, it's not what the Word says about you. And so when you have a dream in your heart, don't let other things influence those dreams. But first, you must keep the change. You must protect the progress that you have. And then you can walk out in the destiny that you were created for. We're going to turn to chapter 2. I'm going to read 1 through 8. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year, King Artaxes, when the wine was brought for him, I, I took the wine and I gave it to the king. That's his role as a cupbearer. I had not been sad in the presence of the king. So the, the king asked me, why does your face look so sad? Why are you not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was much afraid. But I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city of my ancestors are buried in lions, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it you want? Well, then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I may, can rebuild it. And the king said, with the queen sitting beside him, and he asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. 
Isla said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Ashif, keeper of the royal park, so that he will give me a timber to make the beams for the gates of the, the city, for the temple, for the city wall, and for the residence I will occupy. And because of the graciousness hand of my God was on me, the king granted me this request. So basically what's happening here is Nehemiah, it's in his heart. God puts a dream in his heart. He wants to walk out what he has, and he goes to the king. And if, you're, if you go to the king, if you were sad or if the king didn't like how your hair was that day, he could kill you. That's how it was back in those days. He could just take you out. So he's sad, and it shows on his face, so he's worried. I just wanted you to get the kind of the, the mindset of what's going on here. He's worried going in front of the king. So he goes in front of the king, and he's being respectful. You may not like your situation. You may not have caused your situation, but he's being respectful in this situation. And the king says, oh, what can I do for you? What's going on? And he says, all right, I need safe travel, and I need some timber. And so they have a talk talking to him. And basically saying, oh, I need a passport, some safe passage, and some money. King says, okay, cool. When are you going to come back? It's just like that. And, okay, um, I'll be off. We have verse 9 put up there. And then it says, so I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters, and the king had also sent an army of officers and cavalry with me. So when God's hand is really in what you're doing, he gives you more than what you ask for. He never asked for that. You got the army rangers, the SEAL teams, they all got together and they went out protected them on this journey. Plus he got the money, the timber. He got what he needed. He got time off. So he went off and... <clears throat> God had that strong desire in his life. God is calling us to bloom where we're planted. Doesn't mean you just stop where you're at. You have dreams and desires. But you need to start blooming where you're planted. Well, Nehemiah's qualification was a cupbearer. He tasted food for a living. That was his qualification. And he's out rebuilding walls, putting a city back together. He's jumped up from a food taster to a city planner. And to bring it down to our level, our, we're not in the Bible here, but if you have a spoon, maybe you can cook food for somebody. If you have keys, maybe you can give somebody a ride. If you have a brush, maybe you can paint something for somebody, a wall or a house. If you have a Bible, maybe you can encourage somebody with it. Use what's in your hand to release what's in your heart. And you might be saying, well, I don't have any formal training. That's okay. He was just trained as a, as a food taster, rebuilt the walls. Over 100, over 100 years, the walls were destroyed. He rebuilds it in a, in a matter of a month and a half. But every story needs a villain or an antagonist, and we have one in our story. Chapter 2, verse 19. But when Sanballat, the Hornite, and Tobiah, the Amorite, the official of Geshem, and Arab heard about it. They mocked and ridiculed us. What are you doing, they say. So, again, 
uh, scripture I read earlier, there's no control over your own spirit. It's like a city with no walls. They had no control over their spirit. They were just saying what they wanted to. They tried to intimidate them. They tried to anger them. They tried to put them down. That didn't stop. Nehemiah, don't let someone's negative comments stop you from doing what God wants you to do. If you please God, it doesn't matter who you displease. If you displease God, it doesn't matter who you please. If you please God, it doesn't matter who you displease. And if you displease God, it doesn't matter who you please. So Nehemiah had a plan. So chapter 4, verse 17. Here's his plan coming together. Those who were building the wall, who carried the material, did the work with one hand and held a weapon in the other hand. They were protecting the progress. They were keeping the change they had. They finally got some energy, and they're changed, and they want to keep it. They're protecting their progress. So when we hear a good message, right, we get encouraged. Our faith is increased. Then you get in the car to go home. Someone cuts you off. Ugh, there it goes, right? Or, you, you, you know, you go in, for me, if I go into a drive-thru and someone, two cars ahead of me, has got 12 donuts, four coffees, breakfast sandwiches, and that gets me going, like, what, you know, go in there and get it yourself. But never, sorry, I'm going, <laughs> that gets me going. Um, but let's say you have a, 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 a bad Monday, right? Things are just aren't going right. And, you know, you, you think back, okay, what did I hear on Sunday? You know, what did I hear on, you know, what, what did I read? The God and the Holy Spirit can remind you. But if you didn't go to church that Sunday, the Holy Spirit can't remind you of something you didn't hear. So what God ignites you on a Sunday, we need to plow through on a Monday, but we need to hear the word. We need to protect that progress. So let me take you back. I, when I go Bible study on Tuesdays, I usually go back and forth. The guys are used to me doing that. So now I'm going to take you back in time a little bit. How did the Jewish nation get to where they're at? Well, three things. One, they didn't honor God with their time. They were working on Sunday. They didn't trust God. Two, they didn't honor God with their, their money. They quit tithing. So they didn't trust God for that. Three, they didn't stay with the wolf pack. They were allowing other people to influence them. They allowed people, you know, <clears throat> they were being, um, letting marriages come in that shouldn't have been, people shouldn't have been marrying. So my next point is, what we hear constantly, we need to act instantly. And it comes from out of Scripture here, so it's out of, uh, I'm, it's not up on the screen for you, but it's uh, chapter 8, if you're following along, or but verse 4. It says, Ezra stood on a wooden platform and, and began to teach. And when the people bowed down, they worshiped God. Ezra read Watch this, from daybreak to noon, what they heard constantly, they're going to act instantly in a minute. Then they ate choice food, there's a big amen, 
and they had some sweet drinks. But they did that for eight days, daybreak to noon, daybreak to noon, hearing constantly, hearing constantly. And then chapter 9, it says, on the 24th day of the same month, they gather together, fasting, praying, and putting dust in their heads. And they read from the book of the law of the, the Lord God for a quarter of the day and spent another quarter of the day confessing and worshiping what they're hearing constantly they're going to act on immediately. Nehemiah 9, chapter 9, in view of all this, we're making a binding agreement. We're going to put it in writing, and our leaders and Levites and our priests are fixing it to their seals. And then chapter 10, it goes on and says, every household put their name down. They acted immediately into what they heard. Verse 30, they declared, we will not marry other people than our own. 31, will not work on the Sabbath. And then it goes on, and 32 to 39 talks about tithing. You know, here we get the benefits of pressing push pay. <laughs> Back then, this is what they did. They decided we'll do this. They'll do a third of the shekel each year. And if that was gold, that was $18,000. Then they went on. It was bread for the bread offering. They contributed firewood to the altar. There was crops and the fruit trees. And then they really got serious. They devoted the firstborn son to the priesthood. And there was cattle that they gave. And there was a tenth of all of that. Would you rather just press push pay or go back to the Old Testament here? And it was a little bit deeper. But they acted instantly because they were hearing constantly. So they had some things going on. They were reviving themselves. They were getting themselves. They were excited with the Lord. Nehemiah says, I got it all going on here. Everything's great. Okay, guys, I got to get back to the king. I got to go back to do my job. So 10 years are cruising on by, and he hears oh, things are falling apart. They didn't protect their progress. So he comes back in. So they're... they're Back in the temple, they were selling things again. They had food trucks out on Sunday. So he comes in. He acts like a papa bear. He cleans it all up, puts guards back out, gets things back in order once again. He's thinking, oh, Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That was his attitude. The Jewish nation had a slow fade going back. They weren't protecting their progress. We need to settle down and do that. It's like in, in, through the wintertime, you get, your tire has a slow leak. But nowadays, the dashboard light comes on or message, you know, you, know, you get a flat tire or a slow leak and a, you know, on, the right, on the right front side there. You've got to take care of that. But that's what the Bible is. The Bible's that message that gets to us and says, hey, you've got a slow leak here. You know, you've got to protect your progress again. Galatians 6.1 says, but watch for yourself, or you also may be tempted. 2 John 8.8, 8, watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for. It's important for us to protect our progress. So I'm going to end with this story. Um, two men in the Bible, Moses and everything he saw, the parting of the Red Sea, the burning bush, the manna, the water out of the rock, the Ten Commandments. 
at one point he says, God, can you reveal more? I'm like, what? The guy has seen so much, and he wants more. And God says, I will show you all my goodness. Wow, imagine that. All God's goodness. Ephesians 3.19, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Imagine that, all the fullness of God. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, not that I've already obtained it, or become perfect, but I press on that I may lay a hold of which has been laid a hold of by Christ Jesus. Do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, but reaching toward to what lies ahead. Two guys in the Bible that have done so many wonderful things for God and seen and participated, they want more. They weren't satisfied. So we need to protect our progress in order to keep our change. Well, in with that. Aren't you thankful for Phil? Give him one more hand tonight. Yeah, you can take that with you. Great word. We're going to do something just a little different tonight, and I want you to stay with me five more minutes. The online audience, we love you so much. God bless you. This Sunday, we're going to have a great time together. We'll see you real soon. And those of you that are here tonight...